Do you recall when you were just 11 years old? What was your typical day like? I bet it wasn't invested in understanding the concept of climate change and discussing this very hard topic with world leaders, with professionals, and trying to make a sense of this world of ours that is fast depleting. No, except your name is Zachary Fox Devil. These days, many young people are rising up to the challenge that the changing climate poses to them. And one of such young persons is Zachary Fox Devil. I couldn't resist the chance uh, to accept the invitation to be uh, in this conversation with Zachary. Zachary at 11 is not just asking the hard questions about climate change, he's also challenging young people around him to ask the same questions to take leadership and to better understand what roles they can play to make the world a better place. I was so inspired speaking with Zachary on this episode of the Climate Talk podcast and it's my pleasure to share it with you right now. My name is Shea Fumi Adebote for those listening for the first time and it's my pleasure to be your guide and to walk you through this ride uh, on every episode. Feel free to check out other episodes that we have. We also have uh, the Climate Talk podcast on all the platforms where you find podcasts from Google Podcasts to iTunes to Spotify to IAT Radio, Podbean, wherever it is you find a podcast, you'll definitely find the Climate Talk podcast there. You can also get in touch with us via the website. It is www.climatetalkpodcast.com. If you have questions, if you want to reach out to me, my email is shay at climatetalkpodcast.com. I'll be very happy. Uh, to read from you but let's get into this conversation with Zachary very inspiring conversation and oh my goodness such a brilliant chap he is at 11 I can just imagine what he will be doing five years down the line how would you like to introduce yourself if you ask to introduce yourself how would you like to introduce yourself to the listener well, I am 11 years old and concerned about our changing climate. Uh, I have a podcast, We the Children, Kids Talk Climate Solutions, which focuses on solutions to the climate crisis, including tips on everyday actions kids and their families can take to combat climate change. I like to focus on what we can do to make a difference in our individual lives and how we might be able to influence policymakers for global change. I enjoy meeting people that are working towards climate solutions. And at the end of each of my uh, episodes of my podcast, I have an action step. I try to make these simple steps that busy families can join into. Um, some action steps that I personally do are composting, uh, beach cleanups, and working in community gar- gardens. Um, Amazing. That's fantastic. I should say we sort of have interest and that's why when I got the opportunity to interview you, I was very excited to jump at it. Being from Nigeria myself, having been a lot active in the environmental advocacy space and much later getting into the practicality of getting things done, I was also very inspired by the need for us to break down the whole complex context of climate change and climate sciences. And uh, that's what I'm doing with the podcast. And I should start by saying that you do a very amazing job with your podcast, with the children. I've listened to 
a number of the episodes and I am so, so inspired. I just want to learn from you. What have you been taking time to learn about recently? Oh, thank you. Um, so, something I've recently been learning about is uh, it's a company called Notpla, um, N-O-T-P-L-A. Um, it's a company based in London that has been working on seaweed as a packaging material to replace plastic. They actually recently won an Earthshot Award for this work. And uh, I also interviewed a business on my podcast who owns a solar farm and well, owns solar farms and has repurposed old uh, electric vehicle batteries to store the solar energy captured during the day so they can provide energy to the electrical grid after sunset. And then also costs for, the, for solar all over the world have gone down significantly in the past 15 years. And it's now probably the cheapest form of energy to add to the electrical grid. Hmm. That's very interesting. And I would say to a great extent, you've answered what would be my next question. Or maybe not. But I wanted to know, if you have to look at all these different options that you've been learning about or you've been reading about or that you've been visiting, what will be a very significant climate action that you've seen of late that makes you feel very hopeful that things uh, are really in the positive trajectory? Well, I think... Like, composting and recycling are important, but the most important thing, as far as I can tell, is probably going to be planting trees and plants and nature in general. We can invent all these sort of cool things to take carbon out of the atmosphere, but nature's always going to be the best option. Wow, that's really interesting because most times people talk about planting trees, planting trees from a point of uh, just because science is that's what to do, but it's good to hear you say it from a point of, uh, how do I put it, from, from a very clear point of how nature or nature-based solutions is the most important. And I think that's really uh, one key point I'm taking away from this conversation. And we're just getting started with the conversation. So let's carry on, if, if that's okay with you. Um, next, I really want to know, I, I, like I said, I've listened to some of your podcasts, quite inspiring. Thank you for the great work you do together with your team. And there is one thing you say um, a number of times uh, on your podcast about how, you know, the situation we are experiencing right now is not caused by we young people. Permit me to call myself a young person. I'm still in my 20s. <laughs> that, it, that the situation we're experiencing right now is not uh, caused by we young people, but by the older generation. And I, and I mean, for us, it, it is more or less an, a punishment for things we have not done. But if you had to explain in clear terms, what kind of punishments would you say young people are witnessing right now when it comes to climate action and climate disaster? When I refer to ancestors, I don't mean like immediate ancestors. I mean people that have come before us as a whole, not necessarily related to us. But uh, one example of the punishment is a continued reliance on fossil fuels for the electrical grid uh, when there are clean energy options such as solar, wind, geothermal. 
There's really no reason to continue to operate and expand on coal-fired plants. We have solar panels. We've we've had solar panels for a long time. Uh, President Jenny Jimmy Carter had them installed on the White House over 45 years ago in the late 1970s, yet the U.S. government still continues to subsidize the oil industry. Both large oil companies and the government know the dangers of fossil fuels, but it's still subsidized in these uh, businesses over clean energy. We likely could have a 100, uh, almost 100% renewable grid in many countries by now if we had made different choices in the past, and we knew better even 40 years ago. This is just now recently starting to change, but we could have moved this way much sooner, and as I said, my generation is starting to suffer because of it. Quite interesting. I, I love the fact that you mentioned um, President Jimmy Carter. I, I, I have admiration for him. I read some of his books, and I think he's one of the finest president that the U.S. ever had. Uh, but this concept leaves to me that uh, 40 years ago, he had solar system installed in his house. I know he's from Georgia, but I mean, this is quite new to me. And and I, I imagine how many more people will find it quite revealing that solar systems have been existing and functional uh, for way more than three decades than, than we would have imagined. So thanks, thanks for that um, explanatory view. But if you have to think more about other forms of punishment, uh, maybe not that you are experiencing, maybe not that people around you are experiencing, would you um, have any thoughts on other forms of experience uh, of punishment that young people across the world are experiencing? I can give you some examples of, you know, people that have to suffer um, food insecurity, people that have to deal with flooding issues, but I, I just wonder if you have some other examples or some other thoughts around ways in which young people have been punished for what we have when it comes to our climate situation today? Well, I mean, obviously global warming is a huge thing. Going back to that, the oil industry, that's the big thing. They've been pumping the, the carbon and the methane into the atmosphere, and it's way easier to produce greenhouse gases than it is to get rid of them. So that's one thing. Also, um, it's sort of become the social norms to do that sort of stuff with, like, you know, oil, not social norms, but it's, it's been, it's become part of society, almost. Um, and that is going to be hard to change because you have to change people. Many, many, um, many cities are based around the oil industry, and you're going to have to change many uh, cities' cultures to to change the oil industry. And also, uh, as you're saying, food insecurity and food shortages are another that have. taken place because of all sorts of reasons, many of which were rooted in the past. Awesome. I think you make a very important point there, uh, particularly when you talk about social norms, because there are times we just adapt what we've come to see as the norm, 
there are there are possibilities for us to have changed or to have um, done things differently. And the fact that um, the older generation or uh, the companies that political elites try to enforce uh, all of these very anti-environmental strategies on us, and we just have to accept it to a great extent, I think it is one of the greatest punishments. So you make a very important point there. Thanks a lot. Moving forward, um, by the way, I'm going to ask you this question and I want you to think about um, possible questions that you may have for me. I will be happy to answer also since it's uh, Wimbledon Learning and that's what I love to think about every episode of the Climate of Podcast. I'm not the one asking questions alone. I should also be able to share a bit of my experience as much as I am learning uh, from my guests and the same goes to the listener who also through comments and posts and emails do share with me what they experience or what they think about the subjects that we discuss. So, great. The next question I want to ask you is quite simple. And um, most times, you, like many other people, talk from a place of passion. And from that place of passion, we must admit that we do not have all the answers. We may not be as knowledgeable as you know, the likes of Jeffree Stars or Johan Rockstrom or, you know, all the very big climate scientists that we have uh, across the globe. But we come from a place of passion and we come from a place of honesty about our willingness to try, at least, to put in the little efforts we can through your podcast, through the amazing work you're doing there, through what I'm doing here. These are just little bits of effort that we are putting into the bigger picture it's our way of trying to make the world a better place. So, my question to you, Zach, is uh, this. There are many other people who are also trying and trying and trying through different bits and uh, different efforts in, in their small bits. If you had to give them some word of encouragement, what would that be? Well, um, I try to stay in the solutions rather than the difficulties, and therefore I'd like to focus on a couple things. Education, empowerment at home, and then getting involved in the local government. So for education, if you want to make a big difference, you have to learn what's going on and build a solid understanding of the predicament we are in. Listening to podcasts, reading books, there's all sorts of things you can do to learn about the climate crisis. And this is an important step to increasing awareness and enthusiasm. Uh, that said, we need more kid and family friendly documentaries about climate. I think ones that will encourage conversations about solutions rather than making people have, uh, you know, climate anxiety. Um, and then changes at home, or empowerment at home. You want to feel empowered to make simple and small changes in your home and lifestyle. This can include changing the products you buy, recycling, composting, planting more food and plants, meal planning, uh, and volunteering. You can also start an environmental organization at school. I'm actually working with some of my friends on a roots and shoots organization at my school. 
So, uh, Roots and Shoots was founded by Dr. Jane Goodall in 1991 with the goal of bringing together youth from elementary school to university age to work on environmental conversation, uh, conservation, sorry, and humanitarian issues. It's about empowering young people to create a global community of other youth who are dedicated to compassionate decision-making and feel empowered to lead and influence change in their communities. And then lastly is get involved in the local government. By now you would know that change has to be made at the government and corporate level as well as in our individual lives. And a powerful thing we can do to get involved in our local governments is um, and advocate for change in our communities. Uh, even kids can get involved. It's not I'm I'm not old enough to vote yet, but I can still write letters to local politicians. And I can spend my own spending money on items that I that don't hurt the planet. So these are all important things that you can do. Absolutely, absolutely, and I love how you break it down. I love the practicality of this. This is part of what I strive to do on every episode of the Climate Talk podcast. I mean, to go away from the big jargon. It's important. I take time to study the IPCC report and uh, scientific papers and even in my academic field I've been reading tons, probably hundreds of uh, literature around climate uh, crisis and climate anxiety. But I mean, it is quite important that we speak in very clear terms. We try to break this thing down in the simplest of terms, which is what you have done, uh, Zach. Thank you so much uh, for those insights. And I do hope that Young people out there listening to this episode of the Climate Talk podcast will take this as an inspiration for them to keep trying, for them to keep doing the bits they are doing to make the world a better place. I said I was going to come back to you, and I wonder if you have questions for me, Zach. Well, uh, one question I have is, do you have any, um, you know, through your podcast, you've interviewed a lot of um, companies do you have any one really cool company that you think is making a big change in particular that's a really good question thank you so much and yes i've had the chance to interview lots of companies uh that are in different ways um you know doing the updates to solve the climate crisis that we have it and many many comes to mind right now uh, I don't, it's quite difficult for me to choose one, so if it's okay, I can go on to mention two or three, if, if that's okay. Should I? <laughs> Great. So one that comes to mind is called EcoBatter, and what EcoBatter does is simply, they have a very functional system of collecting plastic from people in local communities, both urban and semi-urban communities. So they have applications which people can download on their apps, they also have for offline people, they have systems of collecting from door to door uh, on different days of the week. And so they have direct text messaging system, they send and say, we are coming to your community on this, this day, come with all your plastics. And the people come with all the plastics, even mostly women who will be probably struggling to find, you know, what to eat or probably struggling to find where to get the next meal from or get some money to clothe their children, they go out on the streets, gather out of these plastics, 
and they bring it to Ecobata, uh, a company that then weighs this plastic or recyclables generally, I should say, plastic, metal, paper, carton. They get them to be scaled, um, to be weighed on the scale, and they give them money, like directly, and say, okay, you've brought us 10 kilograms of plastic, or you've brought us uh, five kilograms of metal, and they give them the cash equivalent on the spot. That way, they are not just cleaning the environment, they are also empowering these women, and they are also solving the economic challenges, closing the economic gap that these people experience. Another uh, solution that I think is quite effective uh, is from a young guy named Kenneth, who has brought about a, a sort of design some solar-powered vehicles. While that is, you know, it could be usual probably in the U.S. or in other parts of the world, but for a young Nigerian, I think that was very inspiring to me to see that a young Nigerian was able to dig into how you know vehicles work and the old engine system and he redesigned what we like you said over dependence on fossil fuels drive our cars he, he saw this as a problem and he took the initiative to redesign how the vehicles work such that they can be solar powered i think that also was another incredible idea that i have i have seen come to life uh the thought i would mention is from uh, a young man, Sylvester, and this was this was um, an idea during one of the camps that I organized. And I, the idea was just to bring young people to come together and share with me or share with um, my partners at the time ideas that can solve the climate crisis. And Sylvester shared with us a, a mechanism, a system that was meant to capture carbon from densely populated areas. And what I mean in this southern part of Nigeria, for instance, there's a lot of gas flaring um, and some uncontrolled forms of emission, which is really affecting the people. He has installed this, or he has, brought, he has designed this system to capture this gas and see that they are converted into um, some forms of energy, clean energy. And I think that is incredible. While the two are existing businesses, the thought is just an idea, which I really look forward to it being implemented and becoming a company and being scaled up uh, on a larger scale. So these three, I would say, are um, three fantastic ideas that I am very enthusiastic about uh, their role in addressing the climate crisis today. And more so because they are led by young people that are striving and doing, doing all they can to make the world a better place. Great. Thank you for asking that very important question. So um, that's about the core of the conversation, but I just would um, ask you, uh, Zachary, if you imagine yourself standing in front of the United Nations uh, General Assembly right now, and you have to speak to them from a place of passion, from a place of knowledge, and from a place of getting them to take action, what will your message to the United Nations General Assembly be as regarding climate change, climate action, and climate crisis that we today. If there's one major tip, I would probably say, well, I mean, solar energy is, or clean energy is a major part, um, but also, 
recently I've been, I mean, I don't know if this is um, like that, recently I've been looking into algae, and there's a lot of algae that is very sustainable and um, very, and, and does very efficient photosynthesis. There are actually these buildings that are made out of algae, well, not made out of algae, but they're, the walls have algae in them, and it, it, they actually take in light from the sun and produce the energy that powers the building. I think things like that, um, that sort of scientific, these scientific discoveries are really um, a major step in the right direction. So I would say maybe more of that. I mean, I don't, I, I don't really have one um, tip on a I think that's very important, sorry to jump in, um, because most times people expect that young people will come from a place of anger and a place of anxiety, but what you've just done is approaching this issue from a place of practical solution and urging them to take action. Did I, did I get that right? Yeah. Great, which I think is really fantastic, giving them very clear examples of what can work and encouraging them it into place. Absolutely great. It's really been my pleasure um, having this chat with you, Zachary, the host of We the Children podcast, doing an amazing job educating young people, not just young people, but even the older generation, inspiring a new world uh, or inspiring us to collectively create a new world. Thank you so much for your time. I wonder if you have any thoughts, any other questions you want to ask me? Thank you. Thank you for Great. this. It is my pleasure indeed. Thank you so much for your time. And I'm also extending my sincere appreciation to your team uh, for coordinating this. I really, really do appreciate all the efforts. Say me well to your folks over there, okay? And that question that he posed to me at the end, oh my goodness, if it was a graded uh, task, I'm sure I may have failed. <laughs> but be that as it may, I will say that's the size of the package uh, for this episode of the Climate Talk podcast. It's been a pleasure, uh, Austin. Thank you so much, Zachary, for this very interesting chat. Many thanks also uh, to your co-producers, I should say, for making this possible. I'm really grateful indeed. And I hope I get the chance to speak to you uh, again. And to you, the listener, I hope I'll also uh, be back with another episode of the Climate Talk podcast. Uh, but between now and then, remember that no climate action that you take is considered insignificant. Every step, every action matters. <laughs>